Hello everyone, Zach here from the Carnival of Randomness on behalf of our sponsor, Upsitnik & Associates. In these unprecedented times, we reflect on our future, both in the next few weeks and months, but also the upcoming years and decades, and it's time to prepare for that future. Upsitnik & Associates has been contacted by many healthcare workers, as well as old and new clients, to prepare wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives, also called a living will. All of you need these documents, so don't say you don't have any assets to speak of, no children or other dependents. Regardless of the circumstances now, you will need a will for today and tomorrow. Al Upsitnik feels so strongly about having wills and other needed documents prepared that Upsitnik and Associates can prepare your will, power of attorney, and living will at no charge, you heard that correct, no charge until the end of 2020. No hidden fees or gimmicks. Al feels so strongly about planning for the future at this time that he is willing to assist you with your future. Trust Opsitnik & Associates, attorneys for 42 years, from the Supreme Court to Alaska and everywhere in between. You can find them online, OpsitniksLaw.com, on Facebook, Opsitnik & Associates, or call them toll-free 1-866-391-3299 to prepare for your future. Hello everybody, it's Zach and welcome back to another episode of the Carnival of Randomness. I know it's been a while since we talked much music on the show, so I reached out to another of my myriad of cousins. He is a singer, songwriter, and musician in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and he's here to join us for a nice little sit-down. Well, I'm sitting down, he might be sitting down, I don't know, I can't see him. But anyway, joining us momentarily is my cousin, Jared Patchouli. So... Let's welcome him, and let's sit back and enjoy the show. Say, so, buddy, how's it going? Thanks for taking the time to sit. Oh, no, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Oh, not bad. Now, I know you didn't hear my intro, but I introduced you as musician, singer, and songwriter. Do you think that's a pretty accurate description, or maybe a little too much? What do you think? I agree. I'd say singer-songwriter, yeah. And so, a little bit of a dabbling musician with a couple other instruments. All right, so what what's the rundown? What are you what are you going or playing these days besides the the guitar? I've been doing the acoustic, but um, I mean, bass has always been my like main instrument. That's what I started as, and uh, I I mess around with the drums a little bit. I'm starting to get like a hold for bass, like four four beats, and putting in my own little fills, you know. Nice, you know, as a non drummer, I have no idea what the hell that means. Oh, just, you know, like, you, you have, like, the basic beat you always hear, and then they'll throw the tom hits in, and you can just, which is, it's, I feel like the drums, it was a it was a cool instrument learning besides all the other ones, because I like my, the bass and the stringed instruments and stuff, but drums was pretty cool because it's more of a feel, like, you just kind of go with it once you learn that basic beat, you can mix and match and just throw little different things in. Because it's not really to like a note, like it's not in... Right, you don't have to learn, like, a, a, uh, yeah, how to hit a certain note, you just need to really get a good hold of the rhythm. Exactly, you're not in a key, you're just percussion. Right. But, at the but same I will time, say, I, I've been playing a um, little, I've been trying to get back into piano, because i got a keyboard. Oh yeah? Been playing that a little bit. So you're setting up like a whole little studio for yourself then, aren't you? Yeah, I got a little. I got a little room. I'm gonna get that hopefully set up with a uh, soundproof. Those uh, low paneling foam the yeah. boards. I want to get that in there because that works pretty well for the sound suppression in the room. All right, so 
actually, since I don't even know the answer to this one, how how did the start come? What what made you start wanting to get into playing and making music? The very start point was uh, I I you definitely you know um, Sammy my uh, sort of cousin friend friend of the family yeah yeah he uh, he he was in a band because his dad was real musically inclined and uh, he was in like this little uh, shock puppets band. And he was he was like nine, I think, and I was only eleven or ten, and so I was over at their house when they were all down in the basement playing, and he let me pick up the bass, and he was showing me a couple things, and I I think it was because I just got I'd gotten into the Beatles around that point, and I um start and he taught me how to do uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, just that little intro because it's just it's kind of moving down the fretboard. Well, so I, that was that was my first pickup was the bass. How old would you have been at this point? That, that, no, you know what? That might have been I might have been twelve or thirteen, not not eleven. Okay. Yeah, I was twelve or thirteen. Yeah, because I was in middle school actually. Now thinking about that, he would have been he would have been ten because he's two or three years younger than me. Got it. So it was that, and but, then then the Beatles followed, and that's the one thing I've said to you is I kind of hear like a Beatles. Uh, style and influence in some of the songs you've sent out. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're they've they've been a big part of my life since middle school, and I've I've got I've gotten through phases of other bands, but I've always loved them, and they've been a big influence in what I do, especially like you're saying, sound wise. Well, and I know a lot, tons of people obviously are fans of the Beatles. What was the song? What was the one that got you? It, was there one earliest, in particular? It was just earliest, earliest song I can remember of ever hearing was uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Oh, and that was really early. That was before I even knew the Beatles. Right. Because when I found the Beatles, I was like, "Oh wow!" And uh, Rocky Raccoon as well, because there was two animated videos on YouTube, and me and uh, me and Luke, my little brother, when we were younger, we used to go on and watch those on YouTube. And I was going to say, because so growing up, you know, my mom and your grandmother were huge into the Beatles so we all we heard them quite a lot oh yeah but um my dad as you know is not <laughs> no, your your dad is is not he is a uh, he did he did not follow on with that but so and he, then he it kinda was got just, me in the country a little bit though oh boy really a little bit I'm gonna have to talk to him about that <laughs> but so it was I mean, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people. It's listening to the a band like the Beatles, and more specifically the Beatles, is what really gets people wanting to do, you know, to do music and play music. And I'm wondering, you know, had it been another band, do you think you wanted would have still wanted to do it? Like, had it been like Led Zeppelin or something rather than the Beatles? Could have it could have driven me in maybe a little bit of a different uh, push, you know, like. I think I think I could have still had like if I maybe would have started like you're saying with just Zeppelin and heard that and that was like my main foundation I might have had more of the rock and blues kind of vibe than more of a alternative psychedelic or not even so much psychedelic with all, everything but just more of an alternative kind of sound to it. Right. All right. Well, let's just walk walk on through the progression. So now you're you're starting to get uh, starting to get the bug. You learn. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So where do you go from there? I think a week later, me and my mother and uh, my stepfather, we went into, what was it, Guitar Center. And they picked me up a, a bass and 
a bass amp, which I, I still got the bass amp. That's my favorite amp, but got me that, and that's where I, I, I'd sit in my room for, like, hours and just kind of play Beatles, learn, try to learn the songs. I'd look up the tablature on, like, ultimateguitar.com, look up how to play it, and that's where I started. And then once I picked up with guitar, which was next, was the acoustic, that's when I started learning about more about the chords and a little bit, like, of the theory behind music. And then from there, I'd say I – once I learned chords on the guitar and I knew how to keep progressions together, I, I kind of wanted to songwrite because I dabbled a little bit with garage band, like whenever I was in middle school, but it wasn't really like recording how I do now, how I can have my interfaces and my mic setups. It was just all the digital instruments and I put stuff together with loops or whatever. But by the time I'd learned acoustic, I'd wanted to start writing songs. I started doing that and recording off my phone. And then it moved. I got the MacBook and started doing stuff off of the GarageBand program on there. Well, how how difficult was it to kind of trans to transition from playing music to writing music? Because those are two entirely different animals. I can say it, it was. It's whenever I first started, it was a lot harder because, like I was saying, I didn't know much of the theory behind it. So I I was derived off of knowing tablature and like seeing like the lines on the screen and numbers for which fret I'm pressing. So I didn't really understand any scales or like if I play all these notes to this key, they'll all line up so I could mix and match how I slide to the next note or switch it up. But I didn't know that at the time. So a lot of it was more, it was a lot basic and it was, I, it was a starting route, you know? So I'd, I'd have to sit down and try and figure out really hard, like, how I was going to make it sound all right, and I'd, I'd have to work it out. But then as I got more inclined, like, inclined to learning about um, theory and chord progressions and how um, you know all these notes will match with this specific chord because it's in that key, and then you can free ball a lot of stuff a lot better from there. So it was, it was a gradual learning process, and I didn't really start getting into the scales maybe till like a year, a year after learning acoustic and like starting to song write. right so it was, it, it was a lot more basic and i feel like now i can i can go a little more with it because i do understand where i can take it instead of it maybe being just like for example whenever i first uh my buddy eli i was in a group with him and um it was me and him had just gotten back together and we hadn't talked for like a year and he played he had learned guitar and i you know i'd been playing bass so we got together, and he knew the chords, but he didn't know the theory behind it. So what we would do is, and I still didn't know, like, the notes on the fretboard. So, like, when we'd try to, like, make a little jam or something, he'd play the chords. I'd figure out what chords he was playing. I'd sit there and kind of tinker and play notes to see what would sound right with it. You know what I mean? Okay, so it was more just seeing what sounded right than exactly. purposefully, than than just that being able purposefully to... knowing what to play to make it sound right. Exactly. Because, like, now I could, if you told me the songs in the key of E, I could sit on my bass and I could keep going with riffs and just, you know, in that scale that I know with that key. or And I could make stuff up off the top of my head to go with it, whereas before I was, it was a lot more, I had to sit and, like, think about how I was going to put it together. Right. You know what I mean? Not yeah. that I don't now, just I, it was a less understanding. I really feel like... um. Not knowing like all music theory, but I feel like knowing a little bit about it, like chord progressions and how they work with uh, with uh, 
scales and all that, I think it's a great thing to learn because I always refuse to learn scales and I'm starting to learn a lot more now too, like even on the electric guitar. Yeah. And it, it definitely helps with like your creativity flow because you're able to just do stuff right there once you know the scales because any of those notes you hit, even if you may hit it wrong, it's still in the same key so it won't sound horribly yeah, off well, if you get what I'm it'll saying. It'll sound a, a little off but not like, whoa, off. Yeah, yeah, not like it's in a totally different key or wrong note. Right. But I feel like, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I feel like that was that was definitely a good thing to learn, and I'm, I'm glad I'm starting to get more into learning that instead of how is my first mindset about it was I didn't want to learn any of the scales. I just wanted to sit there and play. But it's definitely anybody going into it, I would say I would have tried, if I would have done anything different, I would have tried to learn all that stuff earlier. Right. Instead of putting it off. Yeah, and now and like you say now it's it's like instead of saying, Okay, what could sound good here, now you're able to do like, okay, the song is in the key of E, so now I know what I can put in here. Mm-hmm. So it really narrows it down, I would imagine. Yeah, and I can just sit there and kind of riff to it and play like um and like I've noticed like and you can I mean you everybody there's an obvious thing, every you know, musician has their own unique little sound that like if you hear like what uh flea from red hot chili peppers playing the bass you can tell that's him playing bass compared to maybe if you heard john uh john paul jones like if you heard just an isolated you could maybe pick up and be like oh that kind of sounds like how he would play the little things that they do consistently but it's changed because i because you can hear it a lot of times whenever i'm riffing on stuff it's the same only different all right it's like i have my own Literally, like I use a lot of this, uh, like box scaling. Yeah, and it's uh, just pretty much in the shape of a box on the fretboard, and you can move it all up and down. Whereas a lot of people use different scales, and you can hear pe- like different musicians that use certain scales more, like uh, Delorean scales and all those kinds. Which would be more like uh, Pink Floyd and David Gilmore. He uses a lot of those out there kind of. Uh, scales and you can tell the difference between just hearing that like who plays what and what makes them Uh-oh. keep going with it you know what i mean i'm trying to think i'm, I'm trying to word it i'm not wording it great <laughs> well no that's no i mean it, it everybody makes... has a sound and you could pick like what i'm trying to say is like you can pick up off of somebody's sound like and hear them and be like oh recognize it as that person and i may derive my bass line's all a little differently, but it's all within the same, like, you yeah, know, and I, was yeah, I have gonna, this same kind of rhythm. going to say that, and now that you, you say that, I'm thinking about some of the bass players I know, and it's like, okay, yeah, whenever you hear them play, you know that's them playing. Because they just throw mm-hmm. their, their own specific style on there. Exactly, style. That was, that was the, that's what I was trying to go for. I couldn't think of the word, though. Yeah, and, then, and I guess that's how you know, advancements in music are made is somebody takes something that they've heard that they enjoyed, they use it as a, you know, basically a starting point, and then they put their spin on it, and then somebody will hear theirs and put their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And everybody has technically their own little unique little thing that they'll do. Right, because even if you're playing the exact same notes, you're not playing them the exact same way. Exactly. It could be different timing, four, four, three, four, different, um, like a little bit of a swing to it, you know, every, there's so many, that's what I've, I've been learning too, like learning more different beats and everything. There's so many variables you can go with music. Which is cool. And I, 
and when you were talking about box scales, like, yeah, you know, I played piano for quite a while. I'd never heard of anything like that. Oh, and I, I don't, I, and like I said, I honestly don't know if that's a real term. It's oh. just, it's, well, it, it's it a fretboard and it's in a box. It's just a scale. It's like, it, if you looked at the fretboard and you know how it's all lined up. Yeah, yeah. You take like three of those and you just box it up and just work the outside of the box up the fret, like on the same notes, but working up the strings. And, the, and then that's a scale in itself. And then you can take and mix and match, add notes, filler it notes in between those. And that's like the style I like is being able to box it and. So do a lot of sliding in between. Well, so there you you'll go. hear so like a lot. If it's not, you'll a hear a lot of it, it repeat. Yeah, and you'll hear like like in a lot of my baseline. You'll if you would hear that scale being used a lot, and it's in different keys, different notes, but it's that same kind of concept. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So and then um, what's that? Oh no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say um, just on the songwriting thing because I find it really interesting because it's something I've never tried to do. How do you start it? Do you, do you go into it with an idea of a, of a beat or do you go into it with an idea of lyrics or, or do both go in at the same time and you just start from there? Well, that's because I know people that are like, they will strictly write one way. Like my one friend, he'll strictly go in, you know, trying to, have a concept for a song and then he'll start making the music and writing the lyrics to it. Now that's kind of like how I do, but it's, um, you know, I can go around all, all around. I could start out maybe like, Oh, I think of this phrase in my head. I'll jot that down. And then I might think of a melody for it. And then I might pick up the guitar and figure out the chords to go with it and then just start singing it. Or I could be playing the guitar and be like, Oh, I like that progression and just start singing along with it, thinking of lyrics so for me, like I know people will stick to like a, like I know some people that stick to just like one method or the way they do it. I can go all around with it depending on the song. I feel like that's how it is for me. Depending on how the song is, I could start with the music and end up with the lyrics. Or maybe I started with some of these lyrics. I thought of this in my head, and then I tried to work music in around it. And that and that's actually something I was going to ask um, because you said you would think of something and then write it down. It, is there any like times you're out anywhere and just see something and it's like, hey, that would make a cool song? Because I know uh, Rob has mentioned in the past uh, a musician friend of his, Greg Townsend, who saw somebody throw a cigarette out of a car at night, and I think the sight of it and the result of it spawned the song Sparks on the Highway. Okay. So is there any, so ever, it, ever been anything like that where you saw something and you're like, dude, that would make a cool song, and then you kind of turned it into one? I personally haven't. I've had not. I've had that similar. Like I've been out and I've seen something and I thought of maybe a lyric or an idea for, but like not for the whole derivative of the song. But I get what you're saying there. Like I've um, a lot of it's like uh, kind of what's going on. Like I there's, I wrote this one song about um. What was it? I don't know. It was your song. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't even remember the name of it or the lyric. But typical musician. I, I know, Jesus Christ. Typical. Exactly right. You get in the loop. I get in this thing where what well, I used to do it a lot. I'd sit and I'd just try to do a song a day because I got Garage Band on here and I had my whole setup. So I would just try and sit and write every day. Holy hell! They all. They all start to. They all start to blend. 
Yeah, a song a day. Good <laughs> lord, how long can you even keep that pace up? I mean, like they don't all get finished. Well, right. But, but just you know, like, you might so have like a little acoustic track. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of it too is, and I was, I was, I was like kind of like stagnant in the beginning because I didn't do that. I mean, I try to write a lot more now because I felt like we, the more, well, obviously, the more you do something, the better you get at it. Right. And I feel like that exercise, like with what I've been coming out with now, and um, I'm gonna hopefully uh, go into the studio with um a guy uh, Daniel Blake. He's uh, I've been talking to him on Facebook, and I know friends that deal with him and he's a really good guy all around and he's going to get me in and um record me either uh this fall or if he can get me in earlier but i'm going to do a little ep and with the songs i've been writing now i feel like all the stuff i did before was what got me to the point that like i can have a lot better melodies and things that aren't like a repetitive song you know what i mean yeah so you you want something that sounds you want something that sounds you rather than what sounds like everything else. Yeah, or yeah. even because a lot of my songs, not that they my older songs are the ones that you know I'd sit and I try to write out a song or get like at least a verse out a day. You know, I they're they're not all great, they're not all horrible, but uh, you know some of my songs that I even liked before, you know, I, I sit back and I think about. It, I'm like, oh, okay, that that like yeah, I can see how that's like all right, but it's not. It doesn't it's very basic in the sense, you know what I mean? And I feel like me being able to have been able to do that over and over. And obviously you do something more, you get better at it. I feel like I'm getting a little bit better of an idea of how to come up with a melody, make it a little more unique, add a little more notes to the way I sing it, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like my voice has expanded in the past in three years of singing. Cause yeah, well, and again, the more, the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. So the more you, you know, the more you sing, the more you're going to kind of fine-tune the vocal cords. Oh, yeah. And that's going to, here, let, let me go all music on you. That's going to potentially increase your range. And that's, I've noticed, too, within the past couple weeks, I feel like, because um, my, I, I don't know, it was, it was some I've been trying to get higher-noted songs. And I have been able to not fully hold them. Like, I would go out to a show and play a lot of these. But I have been trying to expand my vocal, like you are saying, my vocal range even further. And I've heard a lot. I do. I, I should probably quit smoking. <laughs> but they say, I, I heard a, my buddy told me when he quit smoking, he was able to hit things, hold out notes a lot longer. Right. So that would be, you know, and he was able to get into higher uh, ranges. So I've been thinking about that, too. Well, and... And I, I would think that, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm going to make a, a bold assumption that the vocal cords are kind of like a muscle. So it would be like, you know, any sort of athletic training, you know, the more you do it, you know, it's you're going to hit a certain limit at first, but then the next time you try it, you're going to be able to go a little further. So Might be able to stretch it out a little more. Right, yeah. I'm kind of thinking it maybe, that's, time, maybe but... that's what it is. Maybe that's how these guys, you know, were able to, you know, to train to do some of the, you know, like the, when the Bee Gees sang, it's like, how does a human being of the male persuasion sing that high for that long? Oh, yeah. They, they, they go pretty high. Or, but it's, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I'll throw in my vote for who I believe was the greatest vocalist to ever live, Freddie Mercury. You know, the stuff that guy I, could do was insane. I don't know if I can, I don't know 
who I'd pin down as the greatest, but I would definitely say he's he's one of the the great. Yeah. Oh yeah. His vocals are insane. Yeah. Him and him and uh, guy from Journey. Oh, I don't. He know does. Some, I, don't I can't know think of his name. He has, name. He, range, has yeah. he has a good range, and um, I forget. And then they say uh, Paul McCartney and a couple others. It's in uh, like uh, Axl Rose, and I think Freddie Mercury was one of them. They have this. Uh, it's only certain people ever. It's a, it's a five octave voice, and it's like it, it's only like, I mean, probably thousands of people have it, but it's still like I mean, think about how many people there are. Well, right, so, thousands of people have it, but probably not all those thousands of people are in the music industry. And, yeah, and there's billions of us on this planet, so, right. like, but he, but these, there's a, there's been a couple musicians that they've uh, labeled, like, if you listen to uh, the screams at uh, the end of Hey Jude, with Paul McCartney screaming, yeah. he's hitting a 5-6, or a 4, or, uh, or not a 5-6, a F6, which is a really, really high up there range. And he's belting it, not like falsettoing it, because right. it's easy it's easier to falsetto. Falsetto, it sounds a little different. Yeah, because it's a higher and it's real soft, and you can you can get your voice to maybe hit that higher pitch, keeping it soft and low. But to to actually belt some out and use your diaphragm, that's when it's like you got to stretch there. And and like I was saying, it's crazy that like I, I was looking at that list and it was like ten musicians that have had a five octave voices throughout history i'm gonna have to look for that when we're done recording this because i'm curious about yeah it's pretty interesting because it's something with the the vocal cords like that's like allows certain people to stretch it out even further it's like kind of like a like a not an evolutionary trait i would say maybe like the it's the vocal equivalent of being double jointed almost yeah exactly something like that so that's interesting. Just being able to get a little bit more on it. Yeah, so that's cool, man. I'm I'm definitely looking for that article because I want to read that because I'm. It looked at a five octave. That's and at five octaves. That's insane. And if anybody's ever looked at a, a piano keyboard, five octaves is what would that be the equivalent of 40, 40 notes? Yeah. I was gonna say that's, it's been a while what, since I played, but I, just, I remember there's eight notes in an octave. Mm-hmm. And that's basically a range of right under half of the the piano keyboard. So you're looking at a very impressive range, no matter where you start and finish it. Oh yeah, and it's it's and you definitely hear, like a lot of these musicians too. They don't like. I've heard a lot of songs where Paul won't use that, but he does in a lot of these songs. And if I want to ever cover it, like sometimes I'll cover songs of his. I maybe have to drop it down a key or two. Right. You know, I have to drop the step of the song, like a half step down, to make it more suitable yeah, to, make it to fit hold. Your range. Yeah, but some of the like, like uh, what was that? Uh, I like the end of uh with Freddie Mercury, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, the, the vocal and all those. He he has a he has a really good vocal range as well. He he definitely did, and and the extra thing on him was his voice was so unique that as soon as you heard like two words, you're like up oh, Freddie Mercury. Yep. To go back to that whole idea of uniqueness when you you hear somebody great doing it and you know who it is. Mm-hmm. And there really is no mistaking uh, Freddie Mercury for too many other people. No, and it's like it's in the Lennon-McCartney harmonies. Like, if you hear that, like, you it, you, you know automatically. Oh, right, that's, you're, that's, you're, you're not know. mistaking them for anybody else. 
Mm-hmm. He caught me mid-mouthful of coffee. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I, I wanted to... I wanted <clears throat> no, I'm good, but my computer papers. almost wasn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, actually, but, here's, here's one we've posed to other guests in the past. Who's your favorite Beatle? My favorite Beatle, Paul McCartney. I was going to say, I was going to guess Paul because of just how much you've been bringing him up and it's been at the end of uh, Hey Jude... It's like, okay, I'm uh, betting he's a Paul man. Oh, yeah, big big Paul guy. I loved uh, – I I started the bass, and then, you know, obviously Paul plays bass. So I've always just – I've liked him, and I'm, I am I like Lennon. Like, I don't get me wrong. I'm just not so big on his uh, – on, like, the way he lived. Right. And while you, you, know what I mean? you can separate the musician from the person, it still kind of makes it hard. Exactly, I can appreciate his music. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no, no question no. he was a great musician. Was he a great person? No, not really. Exactly. But and I bet Paul has his faults or fallacies too. You know, but yeah, well, all of us do as humans. Exactly. See, I'm, I I always was a big fan of George. I I was gonna say though, George is not bad. George would probably be my second, whereas most people would probably put John right below Paul. I yeah, put George see, I, there. I go George because, you know, he he was good, and he was kind of overshadowed, but at the same time, he was an incredibly necessary part of the band. Oh yeah, like, and I, I mean, I don't know. Even if they kept everything the same, I don't know would they have had the same success without George. I don't know. Those speculation questions are always fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch I, I watch this thing not so specifically about George, but it was this guy, and he was talking about like how like people say like Ringo was a basic drummer, right? Yeah. Because you look at also with some of George's stuff, it was simple, but it held the point. Like it did the stu- like it did exactly what it needed to do. Right. With that exactly. Drum. And that sometimes that's what you need. You don't need to be the greatest drummer in the world to be a success. You just need to be a consistently reliable drummer. Exactly, and that's what this guy was like. Because he's like, "Well, if I," because he was shown he played in my life with the drum beat of Ringo, and he said, "Well, now what if I was the greatest drummer in the world?" Joking around, he started doing all this crazy stuff, and it just it doesn't fit the song. It's what the song needs, you know? Yeah. And if you can find that that exact thing, no matter how short, sweet, or simple it is. Well, you know, all of it was short and sweet and simple, but like, I I, there was there was a quote from George Martin. They they uh. They said it was a total embarrassment. If you've ever heard "I'll Follow the Sun" by that by the Beatles, I think it's off of a Beatles for Sale album. I probably have. George, some George Harrison's solo is like three seconds long, <laughs> and it's just like twelve, not even twelve notes. And and I I think George Martin said it was like they were all embarrassed by it. But you listen to it, and it's it's what it needed. It's it right, didn't exactly. need exactly. While more, it may have only been three seconds, what it was. while it may have only been three seconds, it's what those three seconds required. Exactly. And so, yeah, and I know some people are down on Ringo because he wasn't like uh, like a Neil Peart from, uh, from Rush, who yeah, was a hell of a drummer, or a John Bonham, but the, the Beatles didn't need a John Bonham. They needed a Ringo. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and when you get that guy who can play that role and play it consistently, it doesn't matter if they're elite status or not. Which I totally, is, yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Which I think is just kind of cool about music. Because you got guys who can do something really, really well, but at the same time they can't do something real basic. Like, 
you know, case in point, you know, my my dad played bass for a while. You know, he I don't think mm-hmm. he can read music. Can't read. I, well, I don't think he can read music. No, like sheet, like sheet. Yeah, like sheet music. I don't, I don't know if he can. I know, I, I could have sworn years ago he said he never could. But, you know, whereas, I can read sheet music, but I couldn't get out there and play anything even remotely like what these guys are doing. Oh yeah, no, no, I understand that. And then like you have, like I have, um, like because I don't read sheet music, and I do, and like. I've, I, I understand tablature, and I'm starting to get the scales now, but I, w- I was playing with these kids for a while, and they all they knew was a tablature, like the follow it note by note, like seeing what finger to press. And the memorization was insane because they would, they'd, they'd play like Metallica riffs, and they were just shredding it, but they couldn't like – if I told them, hey, like I'm going to play these three notes, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. But they could and – and it was insane because the memorization, especially too with them tablatures – well, and that's actually that's actually an interesting point because I, I would consider tablatures a form of of sheet music, as it were. Not all sheet music is the, sa- is the same. I can read like sheet music for a piano. I can't read mm-hmm. a tablet. I don't, I can look at a tablature and know what it is. I couldn't. I can't make heads or tails out of it. Yeah. So I guess you and I are kind of the opposite. Like, you know, I I can look at. Um, I don't know, a piece of Beethoven sheet music and I can hear it in my head because I that's the, that's the kind of uh, reading uh, music scale I learned to read. See, now that's what's always fascinated me too about sheet music. So like I said, I've never, I, I, I learned when I was real young and I learned like the basic, like uh, I, I, I forget like what the acronym was that they said for, for all the, you know, the, the notes going up it. But, yeah, oh yeah, that's the, the basic I learned. It was um, FACE, F-A-C-E. Yeah. Um then there was every every good every good boy th- does fine yeah does fine and then yeah there, there was another one it's it's escaping me at this point or all all cars eat gas those were the ones i learned for the different uh for the different notes yeah and like but my but then like you have like i learned that so but what blows my mind is like with my girlfriend and i know you played you played uh well into high school and you're an adult, correct? Yeah, I basically yeah, played start, up until I left for, for college when I was 18. Yeah, so then when you start getting into all that, like I like I was saying, I learned when I was real young, I learned a basic that, but it blows my mind that it can, that piece of paper can show the timing of the song and the melody and the timing that you're, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, yeah, that this innocuous looking piece of paper with weird symbols on it can tell you everything, the key. You know the pitch, the tempo, it, how they want you to sound with the other instruments in the right, timing. Right, even how long to hold a specific note. That's exactly that. I don't understand how that's all written down. Like I could learn it. I I bet if if I was taught or you know oh, you I, I sat and you definitely listen. could. But it's just, but like as an outsider, because like you know what I mean, looking in on that because I know how I know ta- a little bit of ta- like I know tablature, but it's a lot of it's just from me knowing the notes and everything now. Right. But looking at looking at sheet music it just blows my mind knowing that people can they because i was in um whenever i went to Jeanette for my senior year i ended up uh sitting a lot into the marching band classes like whenever they do all that yeah i was in there with my buddy and um oh it's just i loved it it was so cool because like everybody just flipped the page they'd all have it and they'd all be in time together just you know different and it's 
that blew my mind because even like a lot of the times when I'm in a four piece band, it's hard for us to all hold down. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Even for the best band, it's like, but like, I couldn't imagine adding fourteen other people into the mix. Well, and they'll all start and get it like that. Yeah, like you know, like a symphony. It's like, good God, can you imagine? And and I think that's probably the crazy thing about that is they have you know sheet music for each different instrument and where they're playing, but still to actually be able to as a writer write that, you know, like like I know like okay, the piano is going to be doing this, the violin will be doing this, the the cello will be doing this. Mm-hmm. It's like writing it for it, one instrument is bad enough, let alone you know. Third. Yeah, let alone, yeah, a whole a whole symphony. And it's like, oh, and then we have the first violin who's going to be playing this melody. Second violin will be playing this melody. Yeah, because you have sections for each instruments too. Right. <laughs> it's not just one of that instrument. But I'll, I'll tell you That's though, just, it's it's actually a skill that I've found doesn't really go away. It just it's like riding a bike; it just gets rusty. Because a couple years ago, when I was back at my mom's house for Christmas. Uh, you know, she has the piano up on the loft there. Yeah, the grand. Yeah, the, the little baby grand. And I went up there and I found some of my old sheet music. So I sat down, put up, uh, it was actually Moonlight Sonata. And I just stared at it for about ten minutes as stuff started coming back to me. And I was able to sort of hack my way through a, a rusty version of it. Yeah. But it's like, at that point, I hadn't really played piano in... Oh, probably 15 years at that point. Fun fact, not to cut you off, I know you just brought Moonlight Sonata. Yeah. I got a little bit of trivial fact. Go ahead. John, John Lennon and Paul admitted to this, but when John wrote the song Because off of Abbey Road, it was Moonlight Sonata pretty much played backwards. Oh, really? Yeah, because they did a acapella for it. Well, it was originally supposed to just be acapella. Yeah. But they ended up adding that guitar, and they played it, and it's, yeah, because that was his inspiration for that song. I always thought that was weird, because you hear, you, you hear Beethoven, it's it's kind of the same progression, but yeah, but, totally. But really, who knows, that, who knows that song if it was played backwards? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's a completely different thing, but that's cool. I'm going to have, you know what, next time, I'm going to have to listen to that, too. I added it to my list of stuff to do after the interview. Oh, yeah. Oh God! See that, but isn't that's why I think, and I've always said this that I, I think music is kind of a universal language. Oh, well, everywhere you go, every I mean, you go to you go to um, yeah, any tribes small where there's village in, no in Africa, and they understand the concept of yeah, the rhythm, banging, and, yeah, keeping time, and maybe they don't maybe. Sing lyrics, but you hear like a lot of tribes. They'll still hum. They'll oh, right. or, or if they'll, they have lyrics, you don't understand them because yeah. you don't speak their language. But at the same time, it you know it's music. Exactly, you can be like, oh wow, they know the t-. and it's it it's exactly like you said that one of the universal things. Like it's just in us, like, or not in us, but like it's just a trait that like is there. Yeah, like we like recognize we when something is in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Whether or not we it, understand what it is, we just know that this is something different. I guess it, I guess probably because rhythm, like like in music, really doesn't happen much in nature. So it's something so unique that we're all having to listen for. Yeah, and we we got a keen pickup on it. So when it does happen, we're ta- we're, we're we're taking it in and knowing. And it's like, 
it, uh, you got um, I lost my train of thought. My bad. That's all right. Well, we'll I do I do that all this time. All oh, the time everybody does. Really well, we'll come back to it if, we, if you think of it. Um, <laughs> who did you who who did you grow up listening to, music wise besides what? the Beatles? It's gonna be a little weird. Uh, went from uh, Black Veil Brides. <laughs> when I first started, uh, like really listening to music like intently, and it was a lot of rap music with yeah. like uh, Machine Gun Kelly when I was in middle school. But I got put in an alternative school, and that's when I started like getting into the older sound because of my friend Eli. And that's when I, you know, like get got into the Beatles, and I was like, oh, okay, I remember like Maxwell Silverhammer and Rocky Raccoon. I was like, I didn't know that was the Beatles, and then I really got into them. But the first '60s song I think that got me into everything was uh, what was it? Jefferson Airplane's uh, "White Rabbit." Oh, okay, that more psychedelic feel to it. Oh yeah. See, now, what, come again with what? Come again with what? Yes, I, I started going off a little bit. Well, no, just ba- it was just basically who who was like when you were in the car with your with your parents. Who was on the? Who were they playing? A lot of uh, my dad, like I said, a lot of his stuff was country. He listened. He he's he. He started getting into more of the heart of like uh, like I listened to like the rock and stuff with them. He played a lot of uh, like he's listening a lot more now to Breaking Benjamin. But when I was younger, it was more of the country, just what was on the radio. I didn't really listen to music. You know what I mean? I can't really remember like right. getting into music until like my teen years, and that was whenever I was like going through my my weird little phases and you know my little goth music, and I'd listen to. Black Veil Brides, and my brother was into all that kind of stuff. Uh, Attila, all those bands, and then, and then I kind of got into rap, and then all that. But I don't, I, I can't honestly remember what I listened to solidly young, like in my young, young years. Well, like because it was really what was ever was pop, like you know, if I if yeah, I heard whatever, something, whatever was yeah. was the was on the radio that was being played at the time. Yeah, like I guess it was it was that I was young, I whatever I was hearing around because it wasn't like I had people really that were like you know my parents they don't play instruments or really like right, yeah. music music people, but it was what was ever was around. Well, I know growing up in the car with my dad, especially we would always listen to um, as I call them the oldies. So he he had a, a friend who recently passed. Uh, passed away mark wallacek we called him gator he would make these mixtapes and yes cassette tapes ladies and gentlemen of like different 50s like uh, motown and doo-wop songs so that's the kind of stuff i grew up listening to more the older uh yeah like the 50s you know motown motown sound that's what my dad was into my mom that was what, like right when elvis was coming in right that was that era yeah like that era um you know, uh, like Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Okay, is that would that be considered Motown and stuff? Yeah, or the that whole the okay, doo, yeah. the doo wop songs. Yeah, you know, just real simple songs, simple melody melodies. My dad was a big fan of the three chord progression. You know, get in and out of a song in under three minutes, and get people's feet moving. Right, and that that's the kind of stuff I grew up with with him. My mom was always a big fan of Elton John. Who okay, amazing pianist by the by. Oh yeah. Um, but so it was everywhere. And then I, and then, uh, me and your dad, because this was the era we were in, 
I remember he always had um, the Beastie Boys tape uh, licensed to ill. You know what? I do remember him playing that now because he always played that Paul Revere one in the car. Yeah. I do, that's one. There's one. I do remember Beastie Boys from when I was young. Like we would be going down the road just just very poorly singing Brass Monkey or things like that. <laughs> you know, but then I the rap, when I really first started to notice rap was about the time MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice came around. Okay. So that that would have been that's nineties, right? Yeah, that's that, like yeah, later nineties, quote, quote unquote rap. But you know, and then I started getting into like you know good rap, like Tupac and all those guys. I I never really listened to Tupac. I've heard some of uh what's his, uh, Biggie Biggie Smalls, yeah, and all like some of the uh, other like uh, Ice Cube's pretty good. I've heard a couple of his, no, but I'm not like a big rap guy. I don't. I I did get into it when I was younger, but it was a lot of the stuff like, I don't know, it wasn't like now that I listen to it, I like more of the hip-hop. And that's what all that older rap I really think was, I really think was, you know? Yeah. It was a lot more lyrically involved than it is right now. It is, and that's that's why I really liked uh, Tupac's stuff, because some of his lesser played songs, shouldn't say lesser known, but lesser played songs, if you listen to the lyrics, they're really good. Yeah, they tell a story. They give you more. Oh, like, oh uh, God! Yeah, they tell a story. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's not just it's not just repeating Gucci Gang fifty eight right. times in one chorus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but alas, it makes you wonder if Tupac was just starting out today, if he would actually be a success. I've seen I've seen stuff like that too, like with uh, like uh, with all like musicians, like what do you, like. The Beatles, like Paul, would he still have the success? Actually, yeah, that's a good that's a good speculation question. Let's riff on that for a minute. If the Beatles were just starting now, would they have the same success with everything else that's going on? In my honest opinion, I don't think they would. I don't either, just because um, 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 this isn't um, a knock at them by any means, but their songs were rather simple at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it was... It wasn't because, like, my whole idea, I, I always was thought that they started it. But what it really, if you look at it, it wasn't really so much they created the sound as they created a little different feel to it and popularized all these different sounds. Yeah, they sounds. may not have created it, but they really brought it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they may have added their spin to it, but, like, they, exactly, they, they made it popularized and brought it into the world yeah, and on a bigger front. Especially if you see... um. You know, if you look at pictures of them in their old days, like uh, from their appearance on the Ed Sullivan show, that look I don't think would work today. You know, four dudes no, with goofy haircuts wearing suits. Oh yeah, no, that, that would they, it would you know, it wouldn't you fly what today. Social media would say about that it, today. It would have to be totally different. Yeah, and then at the and same the other time, thing is too, totally they probably wouldn't have that wouldn't sound. Have, what's that? I said in the same time too. They probably wouldn't even have the same sound that they would have wanted. You know, had that they do now. Like if they were starting today, say they were all born in our era, here now, it'd probably be totally different. Because I mean, you look at even where Paul McCartney's going with his music now. It's a lot of pop music. It's it's more pop. Yeah, because, just because like of how yeah, our tastes have changed, and even uh, tuning technology has changed. Yeah, so even if they were around, like, in speculation, thinking about it, they probably wouldn't have even been the same sound if it were all the Beatles, if they were born in our era. It wouldn't have even, you know, it would have been totally different. They would have had different ideas, guaranteed. So that's, that's, that's an interesting 
an interesting thing, and I love speculation stuff like that. We're going to have to do a... Actually, you know what, Nick? I want to do another one with you at some point. Maybe we'll do that, just a whole bunch of like music speculation ones. Oh, I, I, I'm getting into some music speculation, and I know I, I get into this, like I said, I'm not, or like I'm going to say, I'm not a full believer in it. I'm a skeptic. I like listening to all this stuff, but there's a conspiracy out there that Paul McCartney died in 1966. Oh, I've heard that one, yeah. Yeah, and I, like I've said, I'm not a believer. I'm a skeptic. Like, so it's like cool to like the, yeah, the like listen it, and speculate about that stuff because there are a lot of weird things. Because there's hundreds of different clues just yeah, on like I'll, just. I'll give the I'll give the conspiracy theorists that they've put some thought into it. I don't believe it, but at least it's like these are some pretty impressive arguments, even though I don't believe them. Yeah, and then my other thing at the end of the day, too, is they weren't dumb if it really is and they were throwing all that in. It could have been publicity ploy, too. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, they maybe played, they did it on purpose to about get people But they played it real weird. Yeah. So, but that'll be, that's a good idea for a future episode. Now, oh, yeah. I'm going to start to kind of wind this one down. This is something I like to ask. What are you actually playing? Like, I know you've got... Um, the what instruments but what what makes are you actually playing and is there something you prefer or something you desire wait what uh like who's who who what make a guitar do you have acoustic oh oh i have a i have a uh i just have for my acoustic i got one of them uh starter acoustics it's a glenn burton my my dad got it for me it's just a starter kit but then i have uh my bass is a yamaha and I, my girlfriend recently got me a uh, Ibanez electric guitar because I had a little Squire, but then she went and got me an Ibanez, so I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> well, what, so that what was the keyboard that, you just got? That one, that one's um, what is it? I think it's a Yamaha as I was well. I say if it's a Yamaha, you know that, and I've always felt that interesting. It's actually Yamaha is one of the biggest producers of pianos out there. Mm-hmm. Yet so many people think of them as like you know cars and motorcycles. Yeah, and then like a, a, a dirt bike or a quad, yeah. Right. That's what I always thought because it always like weird whenever I first started getting into music. That's funny because like my buddy had a Yamaha and I, I was like, they make that stuff? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, it's, oh. it's crazy. I was like, I thought that was dirt bikes and stuff. Yeah, and then it's like, holy God, they make a, sh- a shit ton of pianos. Mm-hmm. That's like a big part of their market is it instruments. Yeah. They don't make bad ones either. No, and that's they're the thing. Yamaha price. pianos are actually really good pianos. And their guitars, their acoustics aren't bad either. My buddy had a Yamaha acoustic. Like it started out one, but it's you know, hundred fifty bucks, but it was really nice sound. That's crazy. Hey Yamaha, yeah. sponsor me. <laughs> I don't think anybody in Japan is listening. <laughs> but now now here's one that's weird, and I just thought of this. As we're recording this Every every day I go through for social media and find like a weird quote unquote holiday. And the other day was unusual unusual instrument awareness day. And for that I posted a picture of a flugelhorn. I didn't even, I didn't see that one. What is one weird musical instrument you would love to learn how to play if you could? A weird musical yeah, instrument. Yeah, just just something like unusual like you know, not like the mainstream, like guitar, drums, piano, like you know, like the bagpipes or something. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna stick with string, but if I could learn, I would love to learn a sitar. 
There yes. you go. I, it, I've, you know, obviously George Harrison used it a lot, and I love the sound he did with it, and then the Rolling Stones used it a couple, couple times, and you got a, whatchamacallit, a Moody Blues using it. Yeah, and you talk I, about, I've you talk about a unique sound. When you hear a sitar, you, there's no mistake. Oh, you know it. You hear it, and it's like, yep, that's a sitar. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't take you very long to figure it out. Mm-mm. You know what I've always said? In fact, I think the first popular song to ever use it was, uh, like, mainstream song was uh, Norwegian Wood. That I, was the first hit song to ever have a sitar in it. Quite possibly. At least, yeah, you know, yeah, mainstream in this country, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's what it was. I think that was the first uh, U.S. chart hit that uh, had a sitar featured in it. Yeah, because I was going to say, I doubt, uh, I don't remember any Elvis... Uh, you know, sitar solos. Oh, no, no. But, like, I mean, and obviously in India, they've been using that for... Oh, God. Years. Because I've also ancient been looking in, too. You see how it expanded out from, like, I think it was... I'm not sure, don't mark me 100%, but I think it did start in Europe, the first, like, form of a guitar. And it was during the medieval ages, I'm pretty sure. I and think so. Across the world, and everybody started doing their own stringed instrument. And you can find all different kinds of strings. Like you get the pipu from China. There's so it's all there's so many different stringed instruments that just sound. Yeah, interestingly, so, I had we had um, a girl on the show a while back that played uh, the pipa. Or the pipa. Yeah. I said pipa. I, I I never know how to pronounce. I it. I didn't either, but, okay. but she came in. She's from China. She's an amazing player, and she pronounced it pipa. So I was like, okay, now I know pipa. how to pronounce it. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I've always seen it. I've I've never heard it, so I've always been looking at like because it's um. Oh my god, it is a it's fascinating like a plug-in instrument on GarageBand. And it, it really, in you know, if you've seen it, it really reminds me of a lute, just in the shape. Mm-hmm. Except whereas the lute had the neck kind of bent back at that uh, ninety degree angle. Yeah, it almost has like a violinish, like a violin kind of sound, like that string, like you know what I mean. Yeah, and if you hear it, you know what it is. It's like, oh my god, I've heard that. Or no, no, I'm, th- I'm t- no, that's the one that's plinky, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the that's plinkier. the like the mandolin one. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I the one where you play with like a bow. E R H U. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. I, I don't know that one very well. But that's a Chinese instrument as well, but it it's it's like it has like I think uh four strings and it's almost like a violin. Yeah, isn't that the one they kinda they play it with a bow, right? Yeah. Okay. It yeah. Might I, even I know what I am seeing it in my head. I don't know what the hell it's called. Yeah. But But it it has a nice sound to it as it well. It does. Very unique sound as well. Well I'm gonna I've the one thing I've always wanted to do to learn and uh is the like the steel drums that they play in the Caribbean? You know? Okay, I know what you're talking about. You know, like those things are just so cool, and like you watch yeah, people you play, spend, like playing like, at the resorts and stuff. Yeah, it's like how the hell do they do that? You know, it's like they're just hitting a different flattened out area inside the drum, inside the barrel, and it, the- it and it makes all these sounds, and it's ridiculous. They have all those little indentations in them, don't they? Yeah, and I think like, each one. Yeah. I think don't don't quote me as as gospel, but I think each one produces a different tone. Okay, so that's what them. Okay. Yeah. So it gives them a nice different sound, and they can hit all around. So it's like percussion with notes. Yeah. So I've seen like some insane steel drummers on YouTube, and it's like, wow, that is cool. I'm gonna look that up because I know what you're talking, but I haven't like. 
I totally forgot about that as an instrument. Yeah, and that, I don't know. That's, you know, when I was younger and stuff. Yeah, but that's for some reason that that one's always just stuck with me. Is God, that is really cool. That would be amazing to know how to play properly. That would be pretty decent. And actually, um, what brought back back into my memory uh, the show Tacoma FD a couple episodes ago? They had one where the guy was playing the steel drums. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot about that. What's which is that? Uh, Tacoma FD. It's by the guys who uh, some of the guys who did Super Troopers. Okay. And so it it's basically like a kind of um a a comedy firefighting show. It's goddamn hilarious. Well, I was gonna say if it was made by them, it's 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 gotta be pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, well. All right. Tacoma FD. Yeah, Tacoma FD, like Tacoma, Washington. Okay. It's on uh, True TV, I think, but it's really good. All right. But, well, as we wrap this up, I know you had sent me a song uh, a while back that you wanted to play at the end of it. What is it? I got it written down. Peace or Revolution? Yes. So I would like to give you the floor... Because we're going to play it at the end of this, with your permission, obviously, because copyright strikes, yada yada. Throw into it, tell, tell us about it, a little bit about you know what it is, the inspiration, and then we'll roll right into it. Uh, the whole the whole thing about that was it was because everything's that I mean everybody knows that that whatever side you are, the political climate's a little hot. My idea behind it was just like kind of a neutral stance, like you know we gotta you gotta think of it at the end of the day as um you know you can't can't fight fire with fire or we have to you know realize that like peace has to come before anything else you know right. i mean because at the end of the day i think about it you know it, we're all human exactly. we all come from the same thing and doesn't like say that specifically but that's that's the idea behind right. it that's is the that idea like, behind it. crazy things are happening in the world and do you want to have peace or do you want to create more chaos that's like that was the whole little inspiration message behind it. There you go. Is this um? Have you put out any albums yet? No, I was this. This so, one is gonna be. I'm gonna be whenever I go in because I might re-record it or keep this version of it whenever I go into the studio in um in the fall because I'm gonna try to get a uh, five a five song EP out. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, I know. And Zach- uh, in the intro, I said you know you're down around the Pittsburgh area. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you, listen to some of your music, like all social media stuff? Facebook? Do you have? Uh, I'm all yep. Facebook. I was gonna say Jared Frank Pacioli on Facebook. Uh, Instagram would be uh, uh, JP Music. Yeah, I'm gonna tag you in this when I put it up there. By the way, so your friends yeah. can listen to it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get you all them links and but and and I wanted to thank you again, Zach, for having me on. Hey, no problem, dude. Oh wait, do you have like yeah. a Bandcamp page or anything? I don't have a band camp. I do have a SoundCloud, and that'd be it's Jared Pacioli Music as well. All right, so there you go. So, yep. off of the future to be released EP, we're gonna throw to Jared with "Peace or Revolution." Did I get that right? I closed the window, so I'm yep. Gonna, yeah, "Peace or Revolution." Yep. And you want to come back and do another one? We'll do a musical conspiracy theory one. Oh, yeah, I'm down. And again, I appreciate it, Zach. All right, dude. Well, you take it easy, and everybody else, sit back and enjoy the song.